Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And welcome to our cases this week that we are just theming unexplained. Yes. We almost went with the theme being we have no theme (laughs) because we have no words for these cases. Right, right. Because they're both so unbelievable and just... They are. It's really amazing when you guys will understand what we're talking about by the end of the day Thursday, but it's just like unexplainable what happens. It is. So for today... You're going to tell us about an amazing story. I am going to. Um, amazing and tragic, but at the same time, kind of a happy ending. It is. So this is honestly one of the most, probably the most horrific case I've ever read. Yeah, the little bit that you've told me about it, I would concur with it, that. It is It is really unbelievable, the things that happen. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this is a survival story, but the things that this woman survives is unex they're unexplainable unexplainable yeah a hundred percent absolutely there's no explanation of how she survived this yeah yeah if you don't believe in miracles stick with us for the next hour because i'm telling you this is an incredible case and speaking of miracles we don't we don't do this every time we podcast but tonight we don't it's a it's late on a monday night it's been a monday and this is a rough case this is a rough case so we are going to we're cracking one open, We guys. sure are. Did you hear that satisfying sound? It, it was really crisp. And as long as it's not five in the morning when you're listening to this, guys, have yourself one to get through this one. I am going to give a trigger warning right off the bat um, mm, with this I'm going to give a delicious warning. These are good. Is, we're having some, you know, sponsor us, but we're having some Vizzies tonight. It's a hard mm. seltzer. No, I'm not delicious. usually a fan, but it tastes good on a Monday. It, it sure does. <laughs> So anyway, trigger warning, this case is graphic. The things that happen to her are so viciously violent, and I'm going to give that trigger warning that, you know, if Mm -hmm. if you are sensitive to those things, I'll give a heads up as I'm going to describe them. But it is is hard to listen to. Picture me with 1.5 quarts of chocolate ice cream sobbing because that's kind of what it looked like when I was watching the documentary. I've got it. I see quartz. The I don't do pints. I don't waste my time with pints. <laughs> For sure. I'm sorry. What Full are you? Quartz. An amateur? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> go big or go fuzzy home. pajamas. Yep. Crying. Yeah. Yep. Good crying and bad crying because it is so like the the survival, the resilience is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna get to it. Let's get to it. Yeah. Jump on in. Yeah. I'm gonna nestle in here with my drink and listen, 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 listen up. Here I am. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story of Allison Botha. Now I'm going to also give you the heads up that this case is coming from South Africa. So some of the names. I apologize if I butcher. We understand. I've heard it pronounced Boatha, but I am not savvy. So no. I'm my, just, my college education only goes so it's far. Only, it's very limited. Mine was <laughs> low budget. So <laughs> right. you're getting Alison Botha. I've heard it pronounced yeah. kind of both ways. So okay. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She was born on September 22nd, 1967 
in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Her parents divorced when she was about 10 years old, and Allison spent most of her childhood living with her mother and her brother. In her early years, she led a fairly normal life. She served as a head girl at the Collegiate High School for Girls in Port Elizabeth. When she finished her education, she spent a few years traveling, and she returned home after that. She had a job as an insurance broker, which she really liked. So she was a really great girl. She was young. She was about, I believe, 25 at the time that this happened. You guys do the math afterwards. I didn't, um, (laughs) I I forgot to note her exact age. Okay. And this takes place in 1994. Okay. So carry the two. (laughs) Everyone and you get it. Yeah, you you get it. (laughs) She was really uh, young when this happened. Yeah. So I'm going to take you to the day. That everything happens. December 18th of 1994. This was actually, it started out as a great day for Alice and she spent the time, she spent time with her friends. They went to the beach, they had pizza, they went back to Allison's apartment for games, for drinks, and I mean, it sounds like a good day to me. Yeah. I need one of those days. I was just going to say that. Let's get something in the books. Yeah. Call me after this. Okay. (laughs) After the day was coming to an end... Allison, her friends left, and then she ended up taking one of her friends back home. She gave this person a ride. Okay. So when she comes back home, her usual spot was taken. So she had to pull up a little bit, you know, down the road to park. So after she parked her her car, she reached over to the passenger seat to grab her bag to get out of the car. And all of a sudden, she felt a knife at her throat. Oh. So I'm assuming, I, I didn't get the I'm assuming either the window was down or the door she had opened the door okay because there was no like all of a sudden there was the knife no was there. explanation as to if the window was down or the door was open right okay. so I, I didn't catch that detail that the knife was like immediately at her throat Ugh. a man's voice said move over or I'll kill you and so she she did she complied with what he asked right. her to do in the documentary that I watched I forgot to mention at the very beginning uh, this is it's called Allison oh. and it's actually her telling her own story in her own words which oh, some wow. of the descriptive parts of this I mean I cannot believe that she was able to do this and talk about yeah. it in such detail she's seriously my hero yeah after watching this but she she talks about in the documentary she was she says I know what you're thinking I should have tried to run or or jump but she said I I wanted to believe the best with the situation at first that you know it wasn't going to be that bad yeah so she didn't she just moved Uh, honestly Um, what I'm thinking is I don't know what the hell I'd do in that situation I know and I pray to God I'm never in that situation because I don't I don't know I mean, I think fear would have me just moving over. Same here. And correction, she ends up in the back seat. So, you know, she may have moved over at first, but she does end up in the back seat of her vehicle. Of her own vehicle. Yeah. So the man proceeded to get behind the wheel and um, he started driving. He, He identified himself as Clinton to her originally. And the man said he didn't want to hurt her. He just wanted to drive her car for about an hour. So she... Like I said, was hoping that this wouldn't be a bad outcome. Like, okay, maybe this is just a really weird situation and he's desperate. Weird request, Clint, but okay. But we'll go with it because you have a knife. Right. The man tried to make small talk with her, asking if she had a boyfriend. And and she says that brief moment gave her a false sense of security. Like, okay, he's talking to me. Yeah. Maybe this is going to be okay. Yeah. However, that feeling did not last long because the man drove for a little bit further 
and then he stopped to pick up another person. Oh, no. So another man got into the passenger side mm. of this vehicle. Mm-hmm. I'm picking up my drink. And, yeah, have a, have a sip. Because Allison said this is the moment that any sense of optimism left her. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Immediately. She said when the man got into the passenger side, she met eyes with him in the rear view. Mm. And she saw nothing but darkness and evil in that man's eyes. Mm. And she knew that she wasn't going home that night. Oh, that just made my stomach turn. Uh, I know it gives Mm-mm. me Mm-mm. chills. And you guys are going to have to bear with me because this case is <laughs> full of emotions. Yeah. You've only given me brief snippets, and I'm glad that you warned me about what was coming. But it's I thought still, I should. Even these details are like, okay. Yeah, so she saw him. She saw blackness in his soul, and yeah. she knew she wasn't going home. She knew the devil was in her car. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And so they drove past streetlights. They drove you know, out of town and it got darker and they, they went into country area. So the vehicle finally stopped. It was a really desolate area. She she refers to it as alcove in the documentary. It was really sandy. And so this is where the vehicle stops. When the driver puts the car in park, he looks back and asks, are you going to fight us? Allison said, I don't, I don't know that she said this, but she was thinking I what kind of fight? I don't know how to fight. I'm exactly. I'm not like, a fighter. I'm sorry, sir. What are you referencing? Are we about to box or are you about to try to rape me? Exactly. I mean, those are two different types of fights. And my my stomach literally just sinks thinking about that moment of not knowing what's hap- going to happen, right, but knowing right. it's like, going to be horrible. Like, do you want to go to a thumb war? Because I'm pretty good at that. Are but we arm wrestling? Yeah. Like, tell me what, what kind of battle am I about to embark on? Yeah. So she's like, I, I don't fight. I have no idea how to fight. And so she knew she was defenseless in, in this Absolutely. and what was going to happen. So the man, the driver that had originally picked her up, he proceeded to ask Allison to have oral sex with him. And then he did the same to her. Blah. He said things to her like, does your boyfriend do this to you? Do you like it? And he also said, you've got the nicest tasting fanny. No, Ugh. no, Ugh. no, you don't get to comment. Uh, is this Clint the f- the or the other feelings, guy? The feelings, like the feeling, this is the, the man that referred to himself as Clint, which we'll, okay. we'll get to that in a moment. All right. But, so he's saying these very sexual things to her as he's, you know, forcing Completely her to do these raping things. her. Allison said that he... Proceeded to bite her breast, kissing her, and then he went forward and fully raped her. She said for that, it was the the most ultimate feeling of betrayal. Yeah, definitely. To have that happen. And at this point, you know, after he was done, the men started talking to each other. And this was when Allison was able to hear their names. So the man that finished raping her when he got out of the vehicle, I believe the other man said his name. He said the name Franz. And then Franz said to the other man, and his name, and this is another one that I've heard different pronunciations. I've heard this name pronounced a couple different ways in a couple different articles or, you know, clips. Mm-hmm. They say it Tunes. Okay. I can't say Te- it. Tunes. 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 It's spelled T H E U N S. Okay. So we're going to go with Tians. I've heard it with the TH sound as okay. well. but So like Theans? Yes. Or so Theans okay. or Tians. All right. So Fran says to the other You're man. You're welcome to give him, you know, we can just call him Dickhole if you we want. We really could. I mean, whatever you're comfortable so, with. Mucus plug and dick hole it is. <laughs> All right. We've made a decision. There we go. Executive decision. So Fran says to the other man. Is it Franz or Franz? Probably Franz. Yeah, I but my, don't, I don't my like My white, my my accent, I'm like Franz. Franz. <laughs> Us Americans over here always butchering the French language. <laughs> so Franz. So, no, he's not fancy enough to be Franz. It is it does, plug. It does That's give a fancy, like, 
uh, tone to it when I say from like you should have your pinky up. He does not deserve that. He does not. So he says, Tians, do you also want to have sex with this lovely lady? Tian says, no, I want to fuck the bitch. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to give you a trigger warning from here. <sighs> Because this gets very graphic. I'm going to grab my drink again. Franz then, after raping Allison fully, says to to Tians, no, you can't talk to her like that. She's a lady. Speak properly to her. Oh, my God. Yeah. The man that just committed full aggressive rape is like, oh, speak to her properly. Is now worried about etiquette? That made my skin crawl when when I was watching. Yeah. How dare you, sir? Like you're some like you're you're so much better because you didn't speak to her like that. Gross. Gross. I know. So before Allison knew it, Tian's hands were at her throat. She said that the next thing she knew, her bowels evacuated. So she either wet herself or yeah. something. Right. Right. Which I I mean, what? How yeah, could you well not? Well, he's got, and he's got his hands around her throat. It's possible that it was you know putting pressure on her heart, all of mm-hmm. that stuff, and you do avoid yourself. So he very aggressively raped her. Mm. And then when he was finished raping her, the men proceeded to uh, stab her in the throat and the abdomen over 37 times. Very violently. Very aggressively. 37 times in the throat and abdomen? Yes. Tians was the one to first cut Allison's throat. And then Franz pushed him away. And, and started stabbing Allison as well. From what I read, Franz was, his intent when he was stabbing her in the abdomen was targeting her sexual, her female organs. Of course. Mm-hmm. And from from what was indicated, it wasn't necessarily that he didn't, it wasn't an intent for her to not be able to have children. It was more right. of... They hated women. Women. Yeah, exactly. So it was everything. Was say. Anything that makes you a woman. That made her a woman. We are going to target. And so that was abuse. the intention mm-hmm. of, of what he oh, did. He is a mucus plug. He really is. Allison said in the documentary that, ironically, the moon behind Franz as he was stabbing her, it, it made a shape of a halo behind his head, and she remembered seeing that. Oh, my goodness. As he proceeded to, to stab her. She remembers all of this. Everything that happened. Wow. She said, all I could see was an arm moving above my face. Left and right, left and right. His movements were making a sound, a wet sound. It was Mm. the sound of my flesh being slashed open. He was cutting my throat with a knife again and again and again. As the men finally stepped back, Batha heard the the men admiring their work, saying, do you think she's dead? And the other attacker replied, no one could survive that. Apparently they were satisfied with what they had done, and so they uh, began to walk off. Allison said she remembers seeing their their feet getting smaller and their voices fading out, so she knew that they were leaving. They got into her vehicle, they threw her clothing out on the sand, and they drove away. And just left her in the alcove. And they left her there. They thought she was dead. Of course. After what they had done to her, they thought she was absolutely well, after dead. After what they'd done to her, she should have been. I mean, most, don't you, th- you know, most people uh-huh. would have been. Yeah. I, I mean, nobody could survive this, Mm-mm. logically. Right. Allison said that she could not feel any pain after the men left. She could only hear the noise of her breathing through her severed windpipe. Oh, my God. It was making a really loud Like gurgly sound. noise. And like that windy gasping sound. She said there was a moment of realization of overwhelming sadness that she realized she was dying, that she was not going to make it out of there. There was there was no hope that she would survive those injuries. 
and she felt so sad as one would. I can't believe she remembers all this. This is amazing to me. I know. And after this moment of realization, she said she she literally had the experience of leaving her body. She remembers lifting up and literally looking down at her body. And she could feel herself becoming more and more distant, but not too far that she couldn't go back. And she realized that she wanted a chance to live a better life and that she wanted to go back and she wanted to live. Oh, wow. And so she remembers basically going back into her body. And I can't remember if I mentioned, but when she left... When she felt that separation, the noise stopped. So I think that moment oh. she she physically did had, die. Had died. Uh-huh. Because she said that breathing noise had stopped. It was this peaceful separation oh, from wow. her body. But when she went back, the noise started again. She remembers hearing the, the noise starting again as she, she began to breathe. I have no words, Amber. I know. This is it's truly so hard. Wow. It's so just unbelievable. Many of the cases that I've listened to with people that have had near near death experiences, it's the exact same. I was just encounter. gonna say that. They will remember leaving their body mm-hmm. and looking down. And like having a choice and, and it being very peaceful. And she I feel like had that exact same experience yeah. in her situation. You know, the statement that you said about how she said she could feel she didn't feel any pain mm-hmm. through that whole situation. It actually gives me some hope for all of our other victims that we've reported on and that we have yet to report on that don't survive. Mm-hmm. That I hope. Maybe there's a, hopefully all of them. Yes, but exactly. That they didn't yeah, suffer and yeah. feel the pain because it's just such a trauma to the body that your neurons stop, you know, firing mm-hmm. to your brain and registering I, I hope the pain. So. I, I really hope so do. Too. So as Allison physically returned to her body, she remembers that the first priority she had was making sure that these two scrubs never did this again. Yeah. So that's as naughty as you get is calling yeah, them they scrubs. Are scr- we don't want no scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> I like the word scrub. I use it a lot. Oh, I know. I've we've had <laughs> private <heard> conversations <laughs> about scrubs. <laughs> that's right. So Allison managed to put her finger into the sand and she began to write the names. First she wrote the name of Franz in the sand. What? And then secondly, she wrote the name of Tian's. While she was laying While down? While she was laying down. Okay. She was still laying down at this point. And like I said, she was surrounded by sand. Yeah. So that was the first thing she did when she came back is she wrote those those names into the sand. Um, I think in the in the event she didn't make it, mm-hmm. that yep. those names would be there. Yeah. And then she okay, wrote. I wouldn't have been smart enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. In, in shock like that, I would yep. have thought to, to write those names either. And I'm super happy that the adrenaline was numbing her and mm-hmm. stopping her from being able to feel things. So after she wrote the two names of her murderers, well, we will call them, um, she wrote, I love mom. Oh, Hello. geez, oh, Pete's, you got to do a trigger warning oh, for that. I Anytime know. somebody says they love their mama, I'm just. Oh. Every time. How many times have we seen when, when someone is dying, they're calling out for their yes. mom? Yep. A or lot. near death. Yep. So I haven't mentioned the full names of these two horrible human beings yet. Not that they really need to yeah, be not recognized. Not that we give a shit. But so the two full names of these uh, these men that attacked Allison are Franz de Troyes. Franz de Franz de Troyes. <laughs> yes. I get it. Franz de Troyes. Okay. And Tien's Kruger. 
Tians oh, or sure. Theans? Kruger, Kruger is the perfect last name. Isn't for it him. fitting? Yeah. We'll just call him Freddy for short. He, I'm sure, haunts dreams. I mean, he would mm-hmm. haunt mine. They were actually known as the Ripper Rapists, and I'm going to get into more details about them as we move forward. Okay. This was not their first rodeo, so. I didn't figure it yeah. was. As brutal as it was, I'm sure that was a good indicator. Yep. Okay, so trigger warning. I'm going to tell you how right. Allison makes it out of this. Okay. So after Allison, she wrote down the names of the murderers in the sand, and then she realized that there was this heavy weight that was around her legs. She was feeling something uh, weighing her down, and she looked and realized that her intestines were actually outside of her body. Shut up, Amber. The lower abdomen cuts that were made in the stabs literally disemboweled her. Oh, my gosh. So she began to try to crawl through the sand, and she realized, like, Okay, this is not working. There was broken glass. There was oh. rocks. There were so many things in the sand. And she's like, okay, this is and not she's working. she's dragging her bowels through it. Yes. Yes. And so she she said to herself, like, okay, I have to do better than this. All of that sand going into her injuries, I mm-hmm. can't Mm-mm. even. Mm-mm. Can't even. So Allison managed to hoist herself up onto her feet. And then she said she remembers everything going black. In that moment, Allison, um, she then put her hand up to her throat. And as she did that, she, her entire hand went into her neck wound oh my unknowingly. God. And she oh. could feel the severed muscles oh. around her neck. And she realized in that moment, everything had went black because her head was actually, like she was almost decapic- decapitated and her head had fallen back between her shoulders. Stop your face. What? Her um, head had fallen back, so she was looking fallen, at the sky. Yes, she had fallen back because her neck muscles were severed so severely oh, sweet. that she couldn't hold her head up. Baby, Jesus. I know, this is hard. We're almost through. Oh, my God. No, I'm just, I'm in awe of the mm-hmm. fact that I know that she's she still survives. alive. So she's looking up at the sky with her hand literally in her neck and realizes that she's completely. Got, she's got to look forward. How does Mm -hmm. she look forward? Like, does she push her own head? So Allison actually, she had to physically reach down and pull her head back up. Okay. And hold it in place. So she's holding her head. She managed to find a shirt that was nearby. I think one of the men had either thrown out. It was either hers or Or theirs. theirs, But Mm -hmm. there was, she found a shirt nearby. She was able to tie that around her abdomen to kind of try to hold her organs in. She made her own huge Band-Aid tourniquet, Mm -hmm. essentially. So as she's walking, you know, she's she's holding her her stomach with that shirt tied, and she's holding her head up. The back of her head. The back of her head. People, imagine that. Like, I don't want to ever complain about a stub toe again. Not to say that those don't hurt terribly, but the next time it happens, I'm going to think of Allison. No, I know. If this woman can hold in her own intestines and her her own head on her shoulders, I think I can make it through a toe stub. And again, I want to say that in this documentary, this is Allison's word. These are Allison's words. Amazing. This is her describing every detail of what <sighs> happened to her. And this was a part that emotionally got me because this woman is so freaking strong to be able to sit there and describe all of this stuff because re- I can barely no, hear it. Right. And relive it mm-hmm. each time she says it. And, and yes, every single time. So, and I'm, I'm glad she's gotten to that point that yeah. she can tell her story because how empowering. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. So she said, and that's when when it happened, she said, 
It was literally like someone lifted her off her feet because she does not remember getting to the road. Okay. She was able to take a couple steps, and then she said it was like her, you know, she doesn't doesn't remember the rest. She has no idea how she got to the road. Out of an alcove. Yes. Of all things. She said it felt like she was floating. Okay. So the next thing she knew, she was at the the edge of the road, and she collapsed into the road. I don't know how many steps that woman had to take. Yeah. But she made it. She doesn't. She doesn't either. Mm -hmm. So she made it. She remembers a car pulling up once she had collapsed on the road. And she had this, you know, instant shock and fear of, oh, my gosh, this could be my killers coming back. Oh, right. And then she she had this realization, like, I have fought as hard as I can. There's nothing that I can do at this point. And this is unbelievable to me, but we've seen it before. But when that car slowed down and saw her, it sped off. Yeah. The first car took off. Yeah. We've. We've seen this before. Time and time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I get it because can you imagine seeing that no. and not knowing what yep. else is and going on? Not wanting any part of it and not knowing if whoever did that is close by waiting for you to, you know, like setting a trap essentially. All the things go through. Yeah. Must go through your head. So that first car, it took, took off. It got out of there. But then another car came and it pulled up. And so this is when... Uh, Tian Elliard, and this is different than Tian's. It's spelled T-I-A-A-N. Oh. So it's just Tian, I believe. So he was driving that night, and he was on a holiday with friends. So he was expecting it to be a nice little vacation, you know. Sure. Nice evening of driving, nothing crazy. Nothing more, nothing less. Yep, <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. And so he remembers first thing coming around that curve, seeing a person lying in the road with no clothes on. As Tian approached her, he realized that she could not speak and her eyes were completely bloodshot red. Her eyes are described as like being full of blood. Oh. And she looked absolutely terrified. Of course. So Tian was trying really hard to keep Allison alive. He was trying to keep eye contact with her. He covered her with his shirt. He took it off his back. Oh. Tian, a, a little backstory, he was actually going to be a veterinarian. He was like in vet school, so he had he had some skills. Yes, at the time, yeah. So he kind of knew enough to do Mm -hmm. to kind of keep her alive and you know help her as much. Warm and yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now this was 1994. Yep. So at the time, Tian said that his friend had some kind of cell phone device, which was new technology for the time. Right. It was it was the size (laughs) big old. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Pull that antenna out. Um, but thank God they had it because, I mean, not many people had no, cell phone technology no, in 1994. Definitely not. It was very cumbersome to carry around. Yes. So uh, the friend that was with Tian, they proceeded to use the cell phone to call emergency services. Emergency services said that it would be about a 15-minute wait for them to arrive. Because they're out in a desolate area. Yes. Okay. Yep. It's, so it would take a little while. So Tian said 20 minutes went by, 30 minutes went by. Holy shit. 40 minutes go by. And finally, 40 minutes later, the paramedics arrived. Oh, my gosh. They sat with her for 40 40 minutes minutes? that she sat there. Tian uh, rode with Allison. how long she was laying there before they found her, really. She doesn't have a concept of time, you know, right? So There was no time frame given about when the cars pulled up. So, yeah, you're right. I don't know how long she laid there before the cars... Because it was, like we said, it was completely desolate. It was out the country. How did she not bleed out, Amber? I don't know. This is absolutely a miracle. It is. There's nothing 
else that can no. describe it. So Tian, Tian rode in the ambulance with Tian her. Tian is just like the most amazing human. Aww. He rode with Allison to the hospital, and, and he remembers asking them if they could drive faster, and they, they wouldn't. He said that it seemed like they decided already that she wasn't going to make it. They were in no oh, urgent God, rush to get no. her back. Well, they clearly weren't in a rush to get there. Yeah. Yeah, 40 minutes. Wow. I think they assumed she, this was somebody that was just was going Not to be saveable. dead, practically dead. Wow. I don't care. That's your job. Right. Yeah, that was a really disappointing part of this Mm -hmm. case. Tian said he held Allison's hand the whole way to the hospital. And so he said, you know, when they got there and she went into the ER, that was the first time that he had let go of her hand. Mm. And he. I love him. I I know know nothing about him, but this says enough. You just hold on to Tian because if we're going to, there's more to come on him. But I will tell you that this experience with Allison he said it had changed his life going through this, and he decided that he knew what he wanted to, to do with his life after this, and he decided to become a doctor. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love that. So he oh, went from veterinarian amazing. to- Saving like, animals to saving to humans. Save it, saving people. He's an amazing guy, and we will come back to him. Okay. As Allison arrived at the ER, Dr. David, and I believe it's Coleman. Okay. Dr. David Coleman- he was working emergency services that night. He said that throughout his career, he had seen many things, many traumas to the body, horrible accidents, um, but he had never seen anything so heinous as what happened to Allison I imagine. when she arrived. He said just the, the cruel nature of it, mm-hmm. it, it still haunts him mm-hmm. to this day, and he got very emotional speaking about it. There's one thing when you see somebody in a horrific car accident or, you know, been in, in a aggravated assault or a fight or something like that but when this when you know that she was just a complete unsuspecting victim and that someone could take it to this this level level of cruelty is hard to wrap your brain around and I'm sure you know like he had said he'd seen so many things but to to still have that emotion you know Mm -hmm. seeing something like this it tells you how horrible it was so when the doctor began to examine Allison's throat and neck lacerations he discovered that her windpipe had been clearly cut through. All the way through. And I remember reading in one of the articles that um, when they were stabbing her, it actually worked out in her favor because the originally when they started stabbing her, the blood, she essentially would have suffocated from it. Oh, okay. But when they severed, they stabbed her in just the right place in her windpipe, it was, she was able to breathe. Oh, So it's okay. like in, in some way this... They saved her. Freakishly worked out. Okay. That she was able to breathe. Yeah. Oh my just, gosh. I was just like, not oh. through her mouth, through the hole in her neck. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so the hole, I, I don't know if I described it correctly, but the hole was in her neck just above her collarbones. So that's where she was able to breathe. Okay. That's what was making that loud noise. Okay. Yeah. I'm like feeling above my own collarbone here to... I know. Wow. I was doing the same. So the junior doctor that was working that night, he said, Dr. Doctor Coleman, that's that's not all. Because he was, you know, fully examining the, the neck first and she had a sheet on her. He said that at that point, the junior doctor, as they described him, pulled that sheet down and he saw the her rest intestines. of the situation. Yeah. And he said that she, you know, he saw that she was completely disemboweled. And the worst part was that they were just, her intestines were so ridden with sand and ch- sand oh. and charcoal and charcoal. Debris. Yeah, that he said there was like char- bits of charcoal. I don't know if Maybe that was on the beach. Maybe people had fires on the beach. Possibly. But he did specifically say oh. sand and charcoal. 
So it could have, yes, been like, you know, at the parks they have the barbecues, something to that nature. I'm not sure. Or do some beaches naturally have charcoal? Maybe. hate to say I don't know. Well, but I mean, I've never been to South Africa. I haven't either. So I really don't know what's on their beaches there. I need to look into that. So as he further examined the injuries to the lower abdomen, Dr. Coleman mentioned that, you know, it was obvious that her sexual organs had been intentionally targeted. Mm -hmm. And he said it was apparent that Allison would probably never be able to have children after what had happened to her. Dr. Dmitry Angeloff was the surgeon on call that night. And so this man, so this man is truly a freaking hero. I can't. I can't even with this man. <laughs> um, so Dr. Coleman, he had pulled Dr. Angeloff aside and he said, you know, I really think that we're going to need an EMT surgeon to come and help us mm-hmm. with this. He said, you know, the extent of the injuries is just so bad, especially to the, the trachea mm-hmm. area. He implied to Dr. Angeloff, you could, you know, focus on the lower abdomen and maybe the EMT surgery. Mm-hmm. Maybe Certainly. the EMT surgeon could focus on the, the trachea yeah, area. all at the same time. And Dr. Angeloff was basically like, um, in my country, we are trained to do EMT surgery and general surgery. Oh. He's like, I got this. Oh, all he right. He was like, back off. Get it. And so he took this, he did all the surgery for for oh, wow. Allison. And Dr. Coleman said that he has never seen anything like this. He was so meticulous with cleaning every part of Allison's intestines, recoiling oh, them carefully gosh. back into her body. Can yes. you imagine? No. I would die from this pressure. No. Like I couldn't do right. this. Right. Like knowing once you get that done, you have to focus on the neck. I mean, how did it say how long, how many hours she was in surgery? I didn't see how long. I was curious about that myself, and I forgot to look it up to see if I could find it. But I we're gonna assume it's gonna be a long ass time. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I need this man's confidence. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, um, no, I I've got this. Okay, and. The extent of all of this, oh my gosh. Like, in my country, I know how to do it all, so step back while I do it. Step on back, Mm -hmm. sir. So he completes both of these surgeries successfully. And Dr. Coleman said in the documentary, he he said he's always felt that it was a bit of a cop-out to describe things that you don't understand as a miracle, but these events have led him out of his strict scientific beliefs Mm -hmm. to think that things do happen for a purpose, Mm -hmm. and that's his definition of a miracle. Wow, okay. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, I think so too. He goes on to explain that Allison's injuries, they were so bad that there's there's no explanation of how she lived. Okay, um, see, even the doctors are saying unexplained. Yeah, just like our theme. They had the same one. They're like, we've right. got nothing. Right. The essential nerve endings in her neck and arteries, none of them were severed. Even oh. with her being nearly decapitated, none of those main arteries were, were severed. Actually severed. The muscles were, but those the muscles weren't. were, but the the arteries were not, which explains why she didn't bleed out. Yeah, at the time, he also said that it's completely unexplainable that she didn't get a really bad infection from her bowels being exposed, Definitely. and with all that sand and the charcoal. Absolutely, he said that. I mean, that could have led to severe infection. Yeah, and and even if the surgery is being successful, then you worry about. Infection. Yes, and that was one of their main concerns. Definitely. So she never did. She never got infection through that. She, she recovered. Do you know how many people I know that have gotten infections after a minor surgery I, before? Yes. Like, it is amazing. 
That's all, like all I keep saying through this whole episode. Amazing. Amazing. All right. So now I'm going to go on to my man, Detective Mel- Melvin Humple. <laughs> it okay. Is, it is I love his it. name. I love it. Um, Give me some Detective Hump. <laughs> love me some Melvin Humple. So he was assigned to this case. And so he showed up to the ER to speak with the doctor. Because Allison had left the names in the sand, they already had my some My God, they some could leads. read them. Yeah. Yeah. So they had some leaves. They, they Listen, I don't do that conscious. I don't write in the sand well enough. To, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. I've tried to write my name and whatnot. Granted, my name's ridiculous, but still, mm-hmm. like that's I know impressive. So they already, you know, they knew the names that they were looking at in this case. Melvin Humple said that he was already familiar with Franz. Wow, uh, why does that not surprise me? With previous arrests. Both of these guys, they have extensive violent history. They have a history of... Raping women. They have a history of, of sexual assault towards women. You don't say. And so, as we had talked about before, this was not their first rodeo. They had actually been committing a series of rapes, and the women had started to come forward. Oh, Describing good. them and speaking out. So, they had decided that with this next rape that they had to kill the woman. Oh, so that's and how unfortunately, they escalated. Allison was their yep. next victim. So they intended completely to kill her. That was the plan the whole time. Sorry, de twat. It didn't work. <laughs> de twat. So as I told you, Allison, I mean, this is a story of survival. She was in the hospital for quite some time. Oh, I bet. But she was conscious after her surgery. So My gosh, can this woman get no rest? I know. She is a true <laughs> Could they have not put her in a coma for like... And I imagine she was probably in one for a little while through all this. I don't, I don't know. Just like let her sleep for the love of God. So when Detective Humple arrived to talk to her, he was able to show her a series of photos of men. Okay. And she was sifting through the photos and she pointed to one. So she had a pad of paper with her mm-hmm. and, and a pen or a pencil. And so she was able to write down the name of Franz on piece of paper mm-hmm. after she had pointed to the first man she started sifting through more and she comes to the next photo she points to it and she's able to write down the name of teens mm-hmm. on the paper as well at the time the police were satisfied with this they left they took the information back but later that day they returned to the doctor because they said you know we spoke to the prosecution and they really think that it would be a super you know, really solidify the case if Allison would be able to verbally say super attack it. Stop I it. Can't, I can't. I wish I could. Yeah, they said what? we really need Allison to be able to verbally say who her attackers were. Did the doctor say, okay, one moment, let me get a butter knife and so, sever through your neck and then reattach it all I know. and within a couple of days tell you to speak. I was honestly, I was truly shocked that this would have e- even been a reasonable request. And like, the doctor I'm, said he was horrified as well absolutely. to put her through that. I'm sorry, bring the prosecutor down and show show the photos and, and come see the yeah, victim. This is what we're dealing with. And you want her to verbally, I am completely beside myself mm-hmm. I right wish I was now. making that up, but I am, I'm not. So the doctor actually consulted Allison about it, and he explained, like, listen, this is what they're telling me. This is what they're asking because they really think it will help your case. Mm-hmm. This is what they're wanting. So the doctor consulted Allison on this, and he explained what they were wanting, that, you know, they really want you to verbally express who your attackers were, 
And this would involve them taking the tube out of her. Oh. She had a tube that went into her lungs. Mm-hmm. And it was connected through that hole, through the hole in her mm-hmm. That had throat. been made. So she essentially, she couldn't speak in, unless that was taken out. So the doctor said, you know, what are your thoughts on this? What do you, you know, want me to do? And so Allison, badass that she is, she wrote on her piece of paper, take it out. Oh, like my She's God. like, I want to verbally identify these these two but even the fact that she has to i know videotape her identifying i mean she had pointed to them and she she had had wrote it like you can videotape it what was there not another way to do this to end her so you're not making her suffer more i really agree with that really angry with this part i would hopefully think we've come further than that um, I think that was just a really brutal thing to ask after what she'd been through. Absolutely, And, you know, some of the other cases that I'm researching right now, the way that we have convicted people on so much less, so much less, uh-huh. and you you have to have this poor woman suffer more to identify, uh-huh. my God. And some of, some of the, ex, ex, why can't I say that tonight? Some of the reasoning that... Detective Humpel explained with this is that Franz and and Tians, they originally were going to agree to plead guilty in this, but they weren't really convinced that that was going to stick. So they wanted to line up everything that they could, you know, and I'm not saying that, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm just saying that that's, that was their reasoning. Like we need to solidify everything that we possibly can to make sure that these two get put away. Even though they were going to plead guilty? And that was, they said they were going to, but they oh, didn't they really trust. Convinced. They weren't trusting Yeah, they weren't but trusting But still, she still the identified them. I what know. would you do if this woman was deaf and non-verbal? Exactly. Would that make her less of a victim? I know. It's it's appalling. I don't disagree. That I really thought that was way too much to ask of her, but she did it. She did. That's so amazing. they took that too. I think I probably would have flipped him off first. Maybe. <laughs> Just me being me would have been like, fine, take it out. But first, here's a couple of birds for you so you know how I feel about it. I was blown away that she wanted to do it. I know. You what know? would you do? What would you do? She. I mean, she at that said, point, you have it. made it that far. I think you're left with no choice and you have to do it because mm-hmm. what's you know the next they're going to kill someone next. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, let me just go ahead and hold my bowels and my own neck on while I crawl out of an alcove to save my own life and then wait 40 minutes for police to, or, I mean, for EMTs to show up, then wait longer as they take their merry time to get me to the hospital. But sure, I'll just do you guys this one more solid. They're just like, could you do us one more just, favor just here? Just need this one more. Can you just, you also want to prosecute your own case too, darling? Because we just don't have the resources. Sorry, that made it's me okay. very fired up. I know. It could be the busy, but I think it's just overall my it could personality. Be both. <laughs> it could be both. It, I mean, it was something when I when I read that. I was like, really? That's that they asked that of her. Wow. So when they took the tube out, Allison's a she's like a strong, feisty woman. Good. And Obviously. So when yeah. they they took the tube out, the first thing she said, "Well, that's wonderful." <laughs> it must have felt really good to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she verbally stated, "My attackers' names were Franz and Tians." And she That's said it. That's all she had to say. That's all she had to say. You're telling me that they couldn't get a conviction without that. You know. I don't understand it. I don't like it, people. After the cases we've had, I'm just not so sure. <laughs> I'm like, 
What? Look at the good heart murders. Well, that, yeah, that's true. Well, I'm going to present you one They're next like, week. Mm, we don't we don't think we have enough here. Right, right. Meh. So it's not a slam dunk. Next week's case that I'm presenting you, you're going to be like, oh, they, they hung him on what? Stay tuned. So, right. Does she say, would you like me to put it back in for you too? It, like, do I have to do everything here? You know, shall I, I wipe that? Shall but I she... wipe your ass too, Melvin? I'm just kidding. I like the detective, but it's just not okay. I don't like it. It's the prosecutor that's really made him do that. Yeah, yeah. It was the the pros- prosecution's request. Yeah, it was my it understanding. Wasn't Melvin. Fine, I take it back, Melvin. You're a stand up guy. I mean, he did have Allison's back through this. I really feel like good. I don't agree with everything that that happened. This was the 90s, and I think some good things, which we'll get to, um, came out of this. And the way it happened, she had a super long road of recovery. When she was finally discharged from the hospital, she still had to go back every single day for them to attend to her wounds. Wow. Um, you know, she was intensive ca- in intensive care oh, for a yeah. while. Yeah. And and she recovered enough to be discharged. And, and she talks about, you know, she had to go through numerous plastic surgeries after that. Oh, I am I going bet. to make the... The note, and I, I meant to at the beginning, Allison was absolutely gorgeous before mm-hmm. this, and she's still beautiful today. And you would not believe in the pictures which will post any of this happened to her. Wow. She looks incredible. Oh, I'm I mean, so obviously glad. there's some scarring, but she's still absolutely beautiful. And I'm so glad. When, when you hear these details of what happened, you're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. So Allison said the, the hardest part of the recovery once it started, was the physical pain from the injuries. Oh, I bet. Because there were so many. She said the pain would keep her up all the time at night. She couldn't sleep. It was like a deep pain, which Mm. this is why when I hear about like stabbings and knife wounds, it gives me the chills. All that nerve damage and the nerve pain that would come from it. Yes. And I just, I mean, I I can't imagine how painful it was with Mm -hmm. her abdomen as... As much All as it the was muscles destroyed. that are in your abdomen, mm-hmm. trying to reconnect and heal themselves, and uh, no, I can't. Ma- I can't imagine having it on both. She couldn't. You can't move without no. one of those two things being affected. Exactly. You know, your upper body or your lower body. So she said that pain. It, swallowing. It was, oh my god, swallowing. That must have been really hard. I just thought of that. Oh. So the physical pain she said was was the worst, and she did. She did say. That she still has that problem and probably always will. I'm sure. Have the the pain. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's manageable. Sometimes it's, you know, worse than others, I'm sure. But but the pain, I think, to some extent will always Mm -hmm. be a problem for her. Yeah. Allison survived the attack, but she also said that surviving the court case was just as difficult for her. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, she went through all of this to recover. And then after she was released from the hospital, she had to face... The court case and the evidence that they needed and talking to the investigators repeatedly. And be re-victimized. She said that she had to relive that trauma over and over mm-hmm. again. I hope to some extent it maybe desensitized it for her mm-hmm. a little bit, but you right. know, I don't know. She said at the drop of a dime she'd have to go and take pictures of her wounds numerous times. They had to take pictures. They had to pluck pubic her pubic hair for evidence. Hasn't she been through enough? I that has got to be horrific. And so, you know, she said right in the police station, they were doing these things. The detective said she was very compliant. She would come. She wanted 
this to ha- you know she wanted this right i guess if you're gonna take a tube out of your throat to talk days after these injuries plucking a pubic hair is no big deal yeah so every time they would request Except something de- she demoralizing i mean oh my gosh so so demoralizing but she she complied she gave them everything that they wanted and she said that she remembers having to go to a psychologist to be assessed through all of this and the psychologist was talking to her about the trauma wheel and you know the cycle of emotions that she this is what you should be feeling and she said she remembers thinking like I'm not this is not I wasn't feeling anger the only anger I had was toward the psychologist that didn't seem to understand what I was going through oh like more of her frustration was with that whole you know process she wasn't feeling the anger toward the the attackers at the time I believe part of that has to do with the fact that you know, all of this was spinning. I mean, she was going, just going through this part first yeah. just to get through it. Yeah, definitely. So I don't think everything had fully hit her. Right. She's yeah. in survival mode. Yeah. Just surviving the next thing and still trying to survive herself. I mean, her body is still healing. So after Allison had identified verbally her attacker's names, Melvin Humple remembers having Franz in his office. And after reading him his rights, and he, he told Franz, you're going to be charged with attempted murder. And Franz asked him, why attempted murder? And he said, because Allison's alive. Yeah, you detroit. Yeah, <laughs> take that detroit. Right. And Franz, <laughs> I think he, like, soiled himself at that moment. Because oh, for he, sure. Detective Humple said that the, the color, like, ran out of his face. He was so surprised. Mm-hmm. He had nothing mm. to say. Yeah. He there, was shocked. There goes any of your not guilties. Yep. And he literally gave in at that moment. And he said, well, there's nothing else that I can tell you. Then you know everything that happened. Right. So he didn't even you really put up a fight. You know I'm a literal fight. piece of shit. I also read, there was zero remorse for what they did. He pretty much implied that they were going to do the same thing to someone else. Like he had no... empathy towards women or anything that they did i don't know where the hatred came in but the ironic part too is that franz had a family at home he had a wife and a child at home oh you and the detective said like they they just didn't understand how he could be out with his creepy buddy raping women when he had a a wife and a small child i think a toddler at the time at home yeah because he's pure freaking evil pure evil this man is horrible. So after he said that, like, well, you know what happened. I'm not going to. That's all Dispute I got. It. Yeah. He had a gold ring on his finger and he pulled it off at the time. And he said, here, this belongs to Allison and gave it to the detective. He stole what? Mm-hmm. So he was wearing oh a ring God. that he had taken from her that night. Mm, as a trophy. And it still had blood on it that Holy turned out to be shit. Allison's. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. And you know that he looked at it and relived the whole excitement for him. I feel every like it was day. almost a trophy of some oh, yeah, kind. Definitely, for him. it was. It hundred percent was. And then for him to give give that to the detective, it was. I feel like it was almost like a. It's a big fuck you. Yeah, that's what that was. Because yeah. knowing that she, he's going to give it back and it's going to re-traumatize her. Oh my gosh! Does it say? Did she do anything with that? You know, I, mean, I, I, never I didn't. Wore it again, I don't think she did. I wouldn't um, have even taken it. Like I wouldn't want to wanted to touch it after it had been worn by that man she actually in the documentary there at the end it shows her taking all of the evidence from this case and like throwing it in the trash because this case has been closed or whatever so she literally like throws everything in the trash i imagine she got rid of that ring i could Mm -mm. not Mm -mm. fathom keeping it Mm -mm. 
But I do, I feel like that was just like a final slap in the face. Like, oh, well, this is hers. If she's alive, here you go. Ugh. So as I mentioned, Alan, Allison was compliant with literally every piece of this investigation. And another part of what she had to do was physically pick the men out of a lineup just of to course. ensure that, yeah, why, why, why wouldn't not? she? Right. So Let's just to ensure to that, like, okay, I know what they look like. Yeah. These are the guys. And so this is amazing to me. But up until this very case, the way that victims would identify their perpetrate perpetrators in South Africa was they had to, the victim had to pick out the perpetrator from a lineup and physically go touch them on the shoulder. So, no, 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 no. South Africa? What? I know. So they had to, like, the victim had to go up and touch that person to identify them. For why? Because I don't think we understood trauma at this point of time. Clearly not. So who in their Abraham Lincoln freaking old ass mind thought that that was a good law to write into their rules? I'm going to start saying that. Who in their Abraham Lincoln? (laughs) Just like, he was like the oldest dude I could think of at the time. (laughs) It was a good choice. But yeah, so they had to go up and touch the the perpetrator. However, thank you, sweet newborn infant Jesus, that they decided that the nature and severity of this case was so bad that they didn't want to put Allison through oh. having to do that. But all the other victims, y'all still I have know. to touch your perpetrator. Oh, and there was also um, That means if you can recognize the trauma that it could cause for one person, how could we not recognize for others that this isn't okay? I think it obviously took something so severe that they were like, "Huh. Okay. <laughs> Maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe this is re-traumatizing. I did read a little bit about, you know, before this case had happened, there was was some concern that South Africa wasn't taking rape cases very seriously. I could have read more about that. Mm -hmm. But I think that was something that was happening at this time. So at least we had some good come out of this protecting the victims because what they ended up doing was using the one-way glass so she could be protected behind it and identify them safely without them seeing her and she was oh, able you mean to that they could do things a little bit different and still have a solid case yeah kind of like maybe not taking the tube out of her throat and making her verbalize her attacker's names maybe they should Just rethink saying. that through the next time right hopefully there's no next time but so yeah she was able to identify them very easily not oh no sure. questions asked she even with uh i think it was teens she was like he looks a little different but that's him like she know she knew. Yeah, like oh, so he grew his eyebrows and his mustache out, but that's him. Which I'm sure there was he some used kind to of have attempt. Two. Now he has one. He's trying to, dis- yeah. you know, it was an avalanche. Yeah, from, <laughs> from the other case, took took the eyebrow. Took the eyebrows. No, so she. I mean, she was able to without skipping a beat identify the two of them behind the glass. And oh my, I can't imagine how horrible that was. To see them again. That would be such a trigger. Oh, yeah. But it's on video. She's a bad ass. Yeah. Like, she's she's so strong. Identifies them. Yep. I would have been breaking down. I love that she's like, yeah, he's trying to look different, but that's definitely mm-hmm. him. Like, So after this case, moving forward, they decided to use the one-sided glass for all of the other cases and identifying. Well, imagine that. <laughs> so that was that was because of Mel- Melvin Humpel. All right. Good job. Good and old... Thank you, I, South Africa, for... I take back you know. my Melvin earlier. <laughs> Good job, M- Detective Humple. 
Detective and Allison. Humple has since passed away too. Like okay. Oh, no he won't hear me say us. his name like yeah. that then. That's yeah. fine. But, you know, at least something good came out of it. When we look at this today, we're like, how did this, right. how could this have happened? But it I takes know. something to, you know, make a change, one thing. And so many times in my job when someone's like, why is that a licensing rule? I'm like, well, because it, it means someone was stupid enough to do this at some point in time, and now it has to be a rule yep. and a law. There's so, been sorry. times in my job, too, where it was like, okay, so this happened, and it never has before, and now we need a policy for it. Yep, exactly. Don't be the reason why your company has to make a new policy. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sometimes it's trial and error, and this is an extreme case of that, but at least they protect the victims now. Good. Thank you, Lord. So let's talk about the trial, okay. shall we? Should we shall. <laughs> shall we? So Judge Chris Jansen oversaw the trials for Franz and mm-hmm. uh, Tians. De Twat and Tians. De Twat. And so he recalls Fran- Franz. I'm so Franz. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it like that. Yeah. Franz. That's what it is. So he recalls Franz trying to be intimidating during the trial. He was making, like, dead evil eye contact with the judge, like, almost oh trying my God. to Dude, sit your tiny dick down. I know. That made me so furious when I read that. Like, he stared at the judge the entire time. If he answered something, he was looking, like, into the judge's soul intensely, like, really trying to put mm-hmm. a show on. Yeah, you're not a warlock. You will not have any powers over the judge. Nice try. So Franz also tried to plead insanity, saying that he was under demonic possession and sure. he practiced Satanism. Oh, so he really, was he was devil. probably, like, he was probably chanting. Like, he probably thought, if I stare into his eyes, I can curse him. Uh, you know, that could have been. That's probably, probably the, the demon. Mm-hmm. So this is, this cracked me up, kind of. So when he was in... When they, you know, were holding him in the jail, he'd asked to talk to a pastor about exercising the demons. And they had to <laughs> apparently grant his wish, I guess, oh, if Lord. they want to talk to a pastor. The poor pastor that had drew the short straw that day. Yeah. They probably pa- paper, rock, scissor it. I was it. just going to say that, and <laughs> uh, he was like, dang it. I'll go. <sighs> so they put friends in the holding cell to meet with the pastor who was going to perform an exorcism sure, okay. on him. And so friends meant... Franz mentioned the names of the demons Incubus and Succubus being in him. They were possessing him. But yes, then, sir, you are a yes. Succubus. That's for sure. But then he ended up like getting the demons mixed up when he was talking. <laughs> oh, no, I hate it when that happens. So the pastor's like, yeah, he's full of crap. <laughs> like, no. <Okay>. Shove. <laughs> Your succubus right up yes. your incubus, buddy. <laughs> because you could put your not. succubus straight up your incubus because <laughs> we're right. not buying it. It's not happening tonight. <laughs> Dear gosh. We need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Speaking of that, shout out to Stephanie who made us t-shirts oh, that said kiss so my Eurasmus. Yes. Listen to, I don't even know what episode it is, but an earlier episode. It's a dude's Zona Heaster Shoe. It is Zona Heaster Shoe. Yeah. Listen to that episode because there is a man named Eurasmus and I said something about kiss my Eurasmus we, and yes. a fan put it on a shirt and so gave it amazing. To us. We have Eurasmus, we have Incubus, we have we Succubus, do. we got it all. We got it all. Shove your succubus right up your Incubus, pal. <laughs> we so, don't want any. So the police were like, could you testify for this in court? The pastor's like, yep, I can. 
So the the insanity thing was squashed. Like, sure. No, he's absolutely. He's full of crap. Do you think he looked up two random names in the dictionary? Probably. <laughs> he's just like, like those will do. The S's. Yep, succubus. That sounds like a demonic name. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So uh, that just really cracked me up. Like he's so intense and evil, but then he gets the demon names mixed up and and he like, calls him incubus <laughs> and succubus. Okay. So the you pastor are a succubus. I mean, the pastor probably knew. Him his demons and was like uh uh-uh. uh for sure wrong mm-hmm. info pal right right exactly please exit stage left you got your abyss yeah. really mixed up yes, here you got your abysses really mixed up so thankfully that didn't work out in his favor so we're going full trial now listen to but in the meantime this has just been delaying everything Oh, he's literally yeah. just dicking around. I'm sure that was the plan. Yeah. So the day of the trial, this is uh, Melvin Humpel's got a little badassness in him. Okay. So he talked about before they went into court, he told friends and, and teens, he said, before we head over to the court, I'm not going to handcuff you. And I'm doing that for a reason. He was like, I want you to run. Please make my day. <laughs> Give and me run. a reason to shoot you. And that's exactly <laughs> he's he said and he said he's like I don't believe in killing. I don't agree with it, but I would have shot them that day. Yeah. He was like please Give treat me yourselves. That's right. And yeah. so he didn't cuff them that day and they didn't run. They walked into the courthouse cuz they you know. dead knew that that man he was, serious. was so serious. You don't mess with humpback. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's humpback now. <laughs> I, yes, that sounds right. <laughs> Sorry, you don't mess. With, you don't mess with the humplebackle. <laughs> oh, I just could not. I can't remember his name. I just know it starts with humple. Humple. Oh, I added. I added a lot of things there. Sorry about that. These I mean, you can't give us names like this. No, <laughs> the true. We're too immature. We are. We are. This is where we get. We have to be mature all day. This yes. is where we get to get it out. <laughs> you don't mess with old humpback. Humpel. All right, I got it. Good old Melvin Humpel. All humple. right. Thank you for that. <laughs> he snorted. Okay, so the sentencing. We're at. We're. It's the day. Today's the day. Okay. So when it came to the sentencing. The judge took into account the previous rapes. Uh, oh, their history. good. Yes. Franz had two previous counts, and Tian's only had one. I don't know if they couldn't link him solidly to, to both, but okay. he, he was a part of it. Yeah. They were partners in this disgusting act that they did. Go rape each other. Go, then. please. Like, why? You clearly enjoy Put having sex your together. your incubus and his succubus exactly. and <laughs> do it to each other. Stop leave, hurting innocent people. Right. Leave the rest of the world out of it, and we won't judge you. <laughs> exactly. Just stop doing this to mm-hmm. innocent victims. So at the time, the death penalty, it had been ruled out in South Africa. It was found unconstitutional. Oh, The judge okay. did say that... If he could have. Back in my day, back in my day. <laughs> you would have hung for this. You just reminded me of the judge on Saturday Night Live. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just Jason that. Sudeikis. Yep. Anyway, he said he would have he would have put the death penalty in Definitely. place for these two, but he couldn't. So what he did do is he sentenced them both to prison life without the possibility of parole. Okay. Franz de Troyes was given three full life sentences without the possibility of parole. 
and Tians Kruger was given one life sentence plus 25 years without the possibility of parole. Okay. He made sure to note in their files that they were incredible threats mm-hmm. to society and they should never like, be yeah. released. Like, yeah. Um, we're going to look through the evidence. Yeah. People. Look at the pictures mm-hmm. like they should never be back mm-hmm. in society. And he did stress that for the case. We will come back to that in a minute. I um, don't want to, Amber. You will not want to. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a trigger warning that you're going to get pissed off. Great. So great. But, but before we do that, let's talk about Allison. Aftermath. Yay. Just, you're yes. Gonna, good yeah, things. You're going to make me feel good and then just a bitch and Then I'm going to uppercut you right okay. in the tits. <laughs> to end this case. All right. Well, then I'll no, no, no. strap my sports bra yeah. on then and get ready. <laughs> so, Allison. Yes. Allison, she talked about the trial and her experience with it. And she said that really, despite being in the courtroom with the two of them, she felt very disattached the whole time. I think this was her survival skill. Um, She had to disattach from this situation. She said she remembers writing notes with her mom back and forth. Like, what are we going to have for lunch? Or just basic stuff. They were like passing notes in the courtroom Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. the trial. I think this was her outlet. I get it. Yeah, definitely. I think you would have to. Mm -hmm. It's like how we make immature jokes to cope after we've... Talked about horrific stuff. So. You're right. Same same concept. I get it. She said, she also expressed how grateful she was to have a trial. She said she couldn't imagine the injustice of not having one. Yeah. And I just felt that was like, you know, she was speaking for all the people who don't get a trial. That don't get one. Mm-hmm. That's how what I felt too. Mm-hmm. Because there's women that don't. Yep. Most definitely. So when all of this was over, she got through the sentencing. She got through recovering. She got through the investigation, she said that she really got depressed, like deeply depressed. Oh, no. And, I mean, rightfully so. Like I said, she recovered and immediately had to go into, I'm testifying, I'm giving all of this information. So all of this let down. You know what I mean? Not let down of the sentencing. I mean just like adrenaline, every, yes, every, the decompression quickly. Yep. She said, and exactly, like I had to do this I had to survive I had to get through it and now everything's over and I'm left with the aftermath how do I move forward a totally different person and she said that she you know she didn't care about going to work about bathing about doing anything she just went through this period of like wanting to sleep and not get out of bed and didn't want to live anymore she was really really depressed for quite a while and she said that one day she just had this realization and she said to herself she was like Allison in that moment that you had to choose between life and death, you chose life. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so live. And she decided in doing this and being depressed and replaying, you know, the anger she had towards her attackers because it did set in after yeah, this. Sure. Blaming them and, you know, if, if this wouldn't have happened, I would be this way. Mm-hmm. She said, I was just giving them power. Yeah. I was giving them the power by being depressed mm-hmm. and, and not doing anything not living her fullest life and so she made the decision to get back on her feet and she said in the depths i can't say that word depth why it's, i know it's hard why am i this way why do we put pt and h's together we can't in the say english them. language it's stupid no one's tongue functions correctly i've discovered that. through podcasting i have a speech impediment yes me too self-diagnosed so. <laughs> yeah same here <laughs> I also cannot say exfiscation. <laughs> See? Still can't. That's a tough one. So she said she made the decision to get back on her feet, and that's exactly what she did. She said right in the midst of her depression that 
she got this invitation to come share her story. It was some event, speaking event. And she decided to go ahead and do it. And she said she found a sense of healing for herself as she shared her story. Oh, okay. And that she, it felt good to do that. It felt good to have that impact on others. And so she began doing it more and she started sharing her, her story with others and doing speaking events. And it was healing for her. And it was healing and empowering good. for her. And she's actually now a world renowned inspirational speaker. Wow. She shares her story all over the world. She talks to, to people. She does events. Um, she wrote a book and it was published in 2008. It's called I Have Life. Oh, I so love that. So she is wow. amazing. She's doing so, so well today. I, I, I'm sure she still struggles with all of this. Of course. But she decided to live. Yeah. Oh. So this is my favorite part of the story. So I rem- you remember I told you, Allison, they said she would never have children. Yes. Well, they were wrong. <gasps> oh. She was able to have children. Um, she did get married eventually, but in the, the marriage did not last. But okay. they had two boys. She had two oh, healthy she's pregnancies. A boy mom. She's like a boy we are. mom. And she said she loved the pregnancy. She was just so grateful to be able to oh, carry absolutely. a full-term pregnancy. Wow, that's amazing. So she delivered two healthy boys. And the remember Tian, the, the guy that saved her? Stop it. Yeah. So no. he actually delivered her second baby oh as a doctor. Gosh. I know. Isn't that so cool? amazing i love it i love it i love it i was really hoping that it would be like they got together you know but they didn't that's all right but he delivered her second baby that's amazing too as a doctor oh i love it he went from being an emt to a doctor yeah or a vet uh, the vet he went from being like the vet student oh the vet student i'm sorry to a doctor and then he delivered her baby i thought that was just so amazing um, that is. It's like my favorite part of the story. I think that's mine too. So she enjoys her her boys. I don't know that she has remarried. This was this documentary was 2017. I didn't see okay. anything else. You Possible. Know. So now that I gave you all of the feels, I'm going to tell you about the the part of this case that I just don't even have words for. Mm-mm. And it's the last part of information that I know about the case. Nope. That's why I'm ending with it. Nope, nope. Podcast over. Just yeah. shut it off, people. Thank you. Good night. See you later. It's been a pleasure. Till next time. So um, tip your waitress. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it curious, guys. Bye. <laughs> right. So despite the fact that the judge put a special note in, in the files for Franz and Tians. Mm-mm, I'm shaking they, my head. I don't want to hear it. I know. So he had said they were never to be released. Right, because that's what life in prison without parole means. That is what it means. And when a judge stresses, like, they should not be out. Because they're monsters. That's what it means. Because they are incubus and succubus, the demon. Pair. Exactly. However, in 2011, um, because of a political decision, laws changed that year, and it made everyone who was sentenced prior to 2004, if they were sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, the the law changed that they could be eligible after they had served 13 consecutive years. Oh, 13 is the magic number for rehabilitation. And that just blows my mind because if you get what? life without the possibility of parole, that you is pretty serious. pretty bad, people. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen cases where we're like, how did they not get that? Mm-hmm. But when they get it, right. it's something bad. Yeah, so it 13 needs to years? Uh, what? No. I mean, 
some people have vehicles for that long. Like it's not that long mm-hmm. of a time. So they both became eligible for parole in 2015. That is what the documentary ends with. I will tell you, I think on a hopefully positive note, I don't find a lot about this case in the last couple of years. I don't believe they've been released. I can't, okay. I can't find anything indicating they have. But someday they could. But they, but that's the, the problem is that they could be eligible And so this poor woman is going to have to go to every parole hearing and relive and retell everybody. I know she does it for an inspiration to tell her story inspirationally, but that is way different than facing mm -hmm. your attackers again and going and telling the story to keep them where they need to be. Yeah, that she's telling it in fear now, and she's terrified that they'll get out. She said that. She also mentioned in the documentary that she had written a letter. This makes me so mad. Um, She had written a letter to the prison where Franz, I I believe both of them are, but she specifically, like Franz was the 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 lead instigator on this. Yeah, and so she wrote this letter basically begging, like, these guys cannot get out. And they printed this letter and they gave it to Franz to read. What? And she's like, where is, where, what about me in all of this? Right. I'm, I'm sorry, what? I don't know how in the absolute hell that that happened, that they were able to give him that letter or why they would think that was a good idea. Right. Why is that appropriate? I just couldn't. I couldn't. I don't even, I got nothing for it. Wow. So like I said, they're they're still in prison as far as I can see, unless there was some kind of really shady hush-hush mm-hmm. hush release of them. Mm-hmm. From what I can see, they're still in prison. Okay. So another Trigger alert, because this is really going to piss you off. So in the documentary, they note at the end that Franz had actually reached out to the film director and this, you know, the person that made this documentary requesting an appearance in the documentary. And his requests were, one, that... Allison write an apology to him for the way that he has been portrayed. I'm sorry, what? What? Yep. You mean as a heinous rapist monster murderer? Mm-hmm. He wanted a letter of apology. Oh. And he wanted the proceeds, some of the proceeds from Allison's earnings because <laughs> Allison would not be successful today if he hadn't done what he had done to her. Oh my God. So under the definition of narcissist is a picture of Franz Detroit. Yeah, he made himself the victim in this. Like, I, I need an apology, and I want the there some you earnings. are, everyone. If you ever wondered what a narcissist is, it's that's Franz. it's Franz de Trot. And so wow, he, wow, wow. I know. Isn't I, that I so imagine. hard to wrap your brain it around? Is because I'm like trying to picture myself being that documentary guy that received that letter and being like, uh, "Say what now?" Yeah, like I'm sorry. Did you're I read like this correctly? Going into the lunchroom and being like, "You guys, you're not yeah. gonna believe this." Listen to Get this. Get a load schmuck. of this. Yeah. Wow. I know you're going to be shocked to hear this. The request was denied. Oh, Franz poor. did not make an appearance. Poor baby Franz. He yeah. didn't get his his moment in the spotlight. <laughs> your voice changed so abruptly it almost scared me. <sighs> even though I know you're physically here, I was like, oh, oh, it's still you. <laughs> it's still me. I just, you know, he has a whiny bitch voice. So. Yeah. So let's hope these two rot. For all For sure. of eternity. Please. They don't please. get out. There was some petitions around 2015 when they became eligible. Oh, good. That they had started and Allison, you know, spoke out. Like I said, I don't think they've been released, but the, okay. the, 
the fact that it's a possibility is so terrifying. They they will reoffend. They had no remorse. Absolutely, no remorse Clearly, for what they did. Clearly, save that letter that he wrote to the documentary people. Save that and show the parole board someday. Is this a man who is sorry? He wants his the victim to apologize to him. Like I'm not a bad guy. It's not you got me wrong. Like what? no, 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 no. That is, uh, and she's you know she's a world renowned. Um, inspirational speaker, if it ever did come to it. I mean, I think she could get so many people behind her to petition to keep those oh, scumbags. I, I would hope so. I will be there. Absolutely. I will be there. And I guess if it ever, set your Google alerts. Because if it comes up, then we can do an update. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that is the story. Wow, um, Amber. Holy cow. Amazing case. I need a cigarette. Me too. Don't, don't even, even smoke. smoke. And we didn't but just have one. sex, so yeah, I don't, I'm right. confused. <laughs> I guess we could just cuddle. That would be right. fine. That's fine. No, I just, it's such an incredible, like I said, it's the most horrific thing and yet the most amazing thing I think I've yeah, ever researched. I agree. This it's, one was profound. Like I said, we'll post pictures. She's mm. beautiful. And she, I mean, you just are, I was astounded to see what she looks like after all of that. She's still sure. very beautiful and very yeah. Good. Just presents Just herself strong. so well. Yeah. Good. She's amazing. Please tell me that you have a brain bath. So I so I have a, a cute little brain bath story here. <laughs> I just like the, the wording of it. It comes from News 5 Cleveland. So thank you Ooh. for the joy. It says, maybe someone needs to slap some sense into these guys. On Saturday night in Rocky River, the police responded to a call that a 22 22- 22-year-old man had been knocked unconscious playing the slap game at a party. Oh. So the slappy was conscious and breathing when the police arrived. So he had come back too. Okay. Um, and presumably the police were laughing at that point. Sure. The slapper was a 26-year-old friend of the slappy. <laughs> I love the way this is written. So if you're unfamiliar with the slap game, the Rocky R- the Rocky River police summed it up nicely. The game consists of taking turns slapping each other. Yeah. What a fun game. The slappy was transported to the hospital for evaluation. He declined to press charges against the slapper. Yeah. He's just like, I was bested. And I'm then it's, sorry. Yeah, it says, guys, get an Xbox. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> like, like, find something you're else to do. that bored that you're like, you know what? Hey, let's sit here and slap each other until one passes out. I just wonder if the slappy and the slapper are still friends. Yeah. Sounds mm-hmm. like they probably are. Who knows? This what week- a stupid game. <laughs> like, let's sure. slap hey, each other. Listen, I've seen a lot worse. This past weekend, I saw a fight almost break out over a fart in oh, a bar. Oh. So, shout out okay. to Strong's, Michigan. You know who you are. It, it and was, there's your brain back. It was hysterical. That's amazing. Someone was releasing bodily odor. They, the table behind us, asked the wrong man at our table if it was him. Oh. He was offended. Oh, rightfully. Did, because it wasn't him. Yeah. I'm not going to own a fart that I didn't do. Correct. Hysterically, it was... His relative next to him. Oh, and he let him just go down for the fart? He he did. Well, he wasn't going down. He's a Navy man, and he really stuck up for himself. But unbeknownst to him, it it was his relative right next to him. So Mm, That's dirty. It was. In so many ways. There was a lot of de-escalating happening at the table after that. All (laughs) over a fart. We were all arguing while the stench was still lingering. So So you guys were in the fart arguing. Yep. So, yep. In the midst. 
in the love, mist. Love, <laughs> love our Strong's people. We have lots of people that listen from up there. So, so lo- hey. love you all. Right. And your farts, too, <laughs> may I say. I did not love that fart. It really was a tearjerker. <laughs> Sounds like it was bad. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, we hope that you keep listening, even after that yeah. fart story. <laughs> <laughs> if you made it through this one with us, right. thank you. Yes, you can handle anything. And um, keep it curious. And, and follow us on socials. And until, hey, don't forget about leaving us reviews. We'll put you in that drawing for that great crime basket. Yes, We're posting pictures up, up soon. Yeah. So uh, until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.